Today we'll be reading from 3 John. It is found on page 1230 in the few Bibles in front of you. That's page 1230. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Cheers, Rob. Thank you very much indeed for reading that. That's a great help. And uh, it's good to see you here, whether you're a regular or whether you're a visitor. My name's Jeremy, and it's a privilege to welcome you to Trinity Church, Islington. I hope you're settling in, and it's already starting to feel like home. Well, we're coming back for the second of three looks at this very short book, the book of 3 John, just 300 words long in the original. And uh, we want to hear no more and no less than God saying to us through his word. So why don't we pray for that as we start? Shall we pray? Let's pray together. Father God, we've just sung these words. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built. And I pray, Father, that As we gather here um, in North London, we would hear your voice speaking, and I pray that your words will build us up, and so we become the church that you want us to be, a a people gathered around Jesus Christ and his gospel. Please help us to listen, Father God, this afternoon, and, and so do what is faithful to you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, what is a healthy relationship? That's quite a big question, isn't it? Um, what, what is a healthy relationship? Because only when we've worked that out will we be able to see what an unhealthy relationship is. Um, there's a lot about toxic relationships uh, in the news at the moment. Um, the NHS website has a page about how to tell whether you're in a, in a healthy or an unhealthy relationship. Russell Brand is the person in the news today, but tomorrow it will be somebody else who's uh, been in a toxic relationship. Maybe that's 
something that you've been involved in as well, something um, that you may be involved in at the moment. I know there are people here who have been through some very, very damaging experiences. Relationships um, matter in our life, and whether they're, um, whether they're healthy or unhealthy matters to us. And, and you probably know that um, there have been a, a fair share of talks through relationships that have come to light in different churches in the last few years, that should break our heart, shouldn't it? Um, toxic relationships in the church family or among Christian leaders. And, and that's why we need the book of 3 John to teach us all about healthy Christian relationships. That's one of the big themes of the book, healthy Christian relationships. You'll notice that we're, we're taking the book in three different sections and that each one of those three sections begins with the word dear friend. Do you notice that? So um, in verse 2, um, dear friend. Uh, or in verse 5, that's where we're starting today, dear friend. Literally, loved one. And, and then again in verse 11, dear friend. That's the section we're going to be looking at next week. Healthy Christian relationships full of love, um, full of concern, full of prayer. We, we saw that last week, um, if you're around in verses 1 to 4. That was all about this loving relationship between the Apostle John. He was uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, it's now much further on in his life. He's, he's an old man. It's all about that relationship between the Apostle John and someone called Gaius. We don't know who he is, but John's writing to him. And in verses 1 to 4, there's that warmth of relationship. There's a healthy relationship between them. Loving concern for a, a friend, such a healthy thing. Say so, at the beginning, um, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Well, do you remember verse 4? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's a, that's a healthy relationship, isn't it? The joy of hearing that our friends have stuck with what's true. And some of us know what that's like as we look back on Christian relationships that have taken us through our lives. It's a wonderful thing. Loving concern for a friend. Verses 1 to 4. But, but then it, as we go into verses 5 to 8, it's about a relationship between Gaius, this guy that John's writing to, and some gospel workers, some people who've gone out to teach about Jesus. So if you look at verse 5, this is what it says in our version. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they're strangers to you. That's the relationship we're thinking about today. The generosity shown by Gaius to, to gospel workers who come to his, come to his church. And, and that's the heading that we're giving, verses 5 to 8. Um, first of two points. People of love and truth support gospel mission. People of love and truth support gospel mission. Have a look down with me at, at verses 5 to 8. I'm going to read them out. Dear friend says John to Gaius, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They have told the church, I guess that's John's church, about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name, I take it that's the name of Jesus, it was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. Who, who are these, who are these um, gospel workers? Who are the brothers and sisters? Um, 
Well, the people who are traveling from church to church to teach about Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm at some similar workers in Uganda. You can see there, see them on the screen. Uh, an amazing bunch of people. They left a deep impression on me. Um, and I, I met them at a college near Kampala. And there were about 80 young preachers. Some of them had only just left college a matter of weeks ago. 80 traveling gospel workers. And, and, and the church in Uganda is just growing so fast. There's a, there's a, a deep need for for Bible teachers. And so what these guys do, uh, it was so humbling to, you know, to, to teach them. They had so much to teach me. They, they travel around each year. They travel around at, at something like 20 churches in Uganda each. And each church has about 200 people in it. And they're training up leaders for that church as they go around. And they go around maybe twice a year, um, just traveling the whole time. And so we worked out that, that 80 of these people that we were teaching in Uganda were themselves responsible for something like quarter of a million Christians. Amazing, isn't it? And, and the church is growing so fast over there. We should honor people like that. We should honor them. There's so much to teach us. Traveling gospel workers. And, and in, in the early church, um, there are so few leaders... That, that there were traveling gospel workers, um, a bit like if you come across a Methodist circuit or something like that. You, you know, the, the leaders are going from church to church, training people, teaching, establishing the church in, in God's word. And, and, and the apostle John had sent some of these gospel workers to Gaius's church. And, and Gaius had been faithful in welcoming them. They turned up at his church as strangers, but soon he was going to be sending them on their way as friends. But in the meantime, he's shown them hospitality. Gaius is a person of love and truth, and he's supporting gospel mission. And, and you can see that Gaius is a person of truth and love because he's working for the truth. Can you see that at the end of verse 8, just the top of that second column? He's, he's working for the truth. And yet what people hear about him is love. Now, that is, that's his reputation in verse 6. You see, I, um, uh, they have told the church about your love. He, he walks in truth, but he's known for his love. That's a, that's a great thing, isn't it? Uh, one preacher called Charles Simeon uh, lived a while ago, lived in the 18th century. He gave this advice to Christian leaders 200 years ago. He said, in relation to all these matters, he's talking about all kinds of things that a minister does. In relation to all these matters, take counsel, not of fear, but of love. Whatever be the number or quality of your advisors, always put love in the chair and give him the casting vote. It's a great principle, isn't it? He was known for his love. Gaius was like that. Known for his love. And, and so you can see his generosity towards the gospel workers. Um, verse 7, these gospel workers are, have gone out for the sake of the name. For the sake of the name. They've put everything on the line, gospel workers. They've packed up their lives and, and they've gone to teach people about Jesus. They've risked everything. And, and they're going to receive no help from the pagans. Well, I mean... I, from non-Christians. They wouldn't, would they? 
Uh, you know, I've got lots of, I've got lots of um, non-Christian friends, and they're very generous. You know, they, they, they give away a lot of their money, actually. Um, and uh, they'll give it to disaster funds. I've got friends who are giving to the earthquake fund in Morocco, um, non-Christians, um, famine relief, um, kids who need education, sponsored children. But they're never going to give money to an evangelist. That's the thing. Um, they just they, they wouldn't because that's not at the top of their priority list. No help from the pagans. Only Christians are going to support Christian work, you see. That's the point that John's making. And, and Gaius has given hospitality. In fact, um, verse 8 means it, it's wider than, than just sort of um, giving someone a bedroom for the night. Um, it means support, it means money, it means resources, it means help, whatever it's going to take. And there's a great book you might have come across by Rosario Butterfield. I love this book. If you have the chance to read it, it's all about radical hospitality. And um, she calls her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And we could add, you know, with an open wallet, time to listen, babysitting, and a fridge full of food. Yeah, whatever it is. Gospel generosity for gospel workers. Um, that's the principle. And, and then you can see the effect in, in verse 8. Um, it's an amazing thing, really. You, you become co-workers for the truth with the people that you support. Um, co-workers with them for the truth. That's what it says literally at the end of verse 8. We ought therefore to support people such as this so that we might become co-workers for the truth. That's an extraordinary opportunity. As, as we provide things for, for gospel workers, as, and we do that as a church, you, you, you might know we support um, people like Johnny and Naomi Pilgrim, um, top left in Brussels. Cross Teach, fantastic to have Christian as part of Cross Teach. They go into schools all over London, and, and, we, and we want to support them. James and Lucy Buchanan in, in Johannesburg at a church um, in the suburbs there, Neil Richardson in, in Croydon. As we support these people, we become co-workers with them. And, and so it's, it's as if, you know, we, we were meeting this morning with Christchurch Etterbeek in, in Brussels, and, and as if we were there in Auckland Park in South Africa and, and at, at Longheath down in Croydon. And as if we're as if Christian were going into schools with you on Monday morning and doing the assembly by your side. It's like we're your co-workers. It's an amazing privilege. All while we're sitting here in a church in North London. It's not bad, is it? We've become fellow workers for the truth all over the world. And I, I know that many people here support other gospel work as well as the ones that we support as a church family. Fellow workers for the truth. It's important to know that we're co-workers with others who are going out for the gospel because that'll protect us from two extremes, you see. Um, sometimes we can put um, missionaries or um, sort of gospel workers on a pedestal. We can think that they are the sort of spiritual elite, the sort of spiritual SAS. While we get on with our spiritual life, they're the ones who are breaking through enemy lines and we sort of lavish all sort of gifts on them and, and we... Uh, and we write books about how incredible they are, and, 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 and we think that Christian workers are special. No, they're co-workers with us. We're, we're all part of the same work. Uh, whether we're paid or not, we're, 
We're in this together, you know. The only difference between you, if you're not a gospel worker, and someone who is, is that they do full-time what you do part-time. Uh, you, you, you pay their bills so that they can concentrate on gospel work, speaking and sharing the gospel. So we, we don't want to put gospel workers on a pedestal as if that is the ultimate in, in spiritual maturity, but, the, but we also don't want to put them in their place, uh, and, and that can be a danger too sometimes. There's a view in the church that, I know, those who can do, those who can't teach the Bible. Um, and um, my dad became a Christian later on in life, um, uh, but he wasn't a Christian uh, when I went into a Bible teaching ministry. And he said, he said to me, um, uh, he said, Jeremy, but you can actually do something. Why, why don't you leave Bible teaching to people who can't? You know, that, 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 there's that sort of, you know, um, if you can do something useful, then do. If you can't, perhaps they'll take you at your church, you know. Uh, and, and we can, sometimes we can look down on Bible teachers or we can patronize them. That's, that's not right. Some churches expect their gospel workers to live on very low salaries. I don't think that's a helpful thing. They're fellow workers. They're our colleagues. Um, these are people who've been called into God's church. And, and, and we need to be God-centered in the way that we treat them. They've gone out for the sake of the name. And we treat them in a manner that honors God. You see, end of verse 6, in a manner that honors God for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, for the sake of the name. And, and so I wonder, if you're a Christian, what, what, do, you, do you have some sort of involvement in supporting gospel workers? Uh, people who've gone out for the sake of their name, do you know what needs they face? As, as elders, we're starting to think about, about this here at Trinity. Um, the danger is, you know, that we, we just sort of send money and then we wait for the prayer letter. And, and we're just thinking, actually, can we get a lot more involved? Can we go and visit them and, and talk to them regularly and care for them? And, and, and look after them, work together for the sake of the truth. And, and there are gospel workers here today. And we want to send them on, on their way as, as our co-workers, knowing that it is only Christians who will understand why they're doing what they're doing. We're in it together as a team. We're co-workers with them. We might play different roles, but like Gaius, we want to be generous with all of our resources and support one another out of love and for the sake of the truth. People of love and truth support gospel mission. That's the principle. But sadly, that's, that's not always the case. And, and that's the warning of verses 9 to 10. Um, let me read those out. Verses 9 to 10. Um, this is our second section. I wrote to the church, says the Apostle John, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and gets them put out of the church. This is the, this is the sad truth of other individuals that we imagine at Gaius' church. Um, and, and, and the Apostle John is writing because he wants to protect Gaius and he wants to encourage the church to stand against diatrophies. 
because um, this is our second of two points. People who love themselves prevent gospel mission. These are unhealthy Christian relationships. Uh, and um, Diotrephes seems to be a leader. He can, he can put people in and out of the church, verse 10. Not even the apostle seems to be able to overrise him, verse 9. Just calls attention to what he's doing. And Diotrephes is in a position of, an author- of authority, but he's got a problem. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's believing the wrong things. In, in 1 and 2 John, there seem to be, in John's previous two letters, there seem to be issues to do with what people are believing. Doesn't seem to be the case here, but he's having trouble walking in the truth because he loves to be first. You'd think that would never happen to a church leader, but leaders tend to be tend to be tend to be strong personalities. I mean, of course they are. That can be used to great good. But confidence in a leader has a flip side. And that temptation is to love to be first, underneath it all to be secure, not to want to be contradicted. It's the danger of standing in a pulpit, isn't it? You're six foot above contradiction. So so people say they're not teachable. Verse 8, Diotrephes is a me first guy. Um, Literally verse 9, I wrote to the church, but the one who loves to be first among people, Diotrephes. His reputation comes before his name. That's how he'd be remembered. You know, who, who was that guy who was teaching in that church? He, he loved to be first, didn't he? Um, Dartrophies, that was his name. Yeah. Um, that's how he'd be remembered. Uh, you might know the American footballer, Terrell Owens, infamously said, I love me some me. That's, um, that's Dartrophies. He's on a power trip. It can happen in Christian leadership. People who love to be first. There's no one immune. You can end up unteachable. He won't, he won't welcome the apostle. He won't listen to the teaching of the Bible. He might have, he might have a lot of biblical knowledge. You know, he, he can score top marks on the Bible trivia quiz, but he's unteachable. He won't do the simplest things. Um, he won't he won't humble himself. He wants to be first. He rejects the apostles. He talks people down. Malicious nonsense. He listens to sermons to find fault with them. He's, he's critical. Other gospel workers somehow aren't good enough for him. He'll say, yeah, um, uh, Diogenes or you know, one of these other church leaders, they're fine, but you know, they're okay as far as they go. He's taking down other leaders. He won't be taught by them. And so he abuses church discipline. And those who want to welcome gospel workers, he puts out of the church. And he uses church discipline to bolster his position. He uses good means to wrong ends, you see. Um, and, and, and that is going to undermine gospel mission. It, it will inevitably do that. Because at the heart of the gospel is a command that tells us to fall out of love with ourselves and to fill our attention with Jesus Christ. If if you're not a Christian, you need to know that. Um, Becoming a Christian means unfastening your grip on the world and transferring your devotion to the one who died for us, 
Jesus Christ, the one who put himself in our place and, and took the punishment that we deserve. In, do you remember how C.S. Lewis puts it very memorably? It is self-forgetfulness. Self, that's the heart of the gospel. Letting go of self-worship and transferring that worship to the, to the God-man who died for us, Jesus Christ. And so it stands to reason that, that, that the more that we love ourselves, the more gospel mission is, is, is going to suffer. Because selfish people won't give themselves away for the sake of others. If you exhort yourself, then you isolate yourself. And, and so self-centeredness sabotages hospitality for other people. And so the Apostle John says, when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, which is loving himself and preventing gospel mission. And, and um, sadly, unhealthy relationships are alive and well in the Christian church. And there's a time to speak out about that. And we'll, we've said before, and we'll say again, that unhealthy power relationships in the church cause great damage. And, and, and if you're worried about a Christian leader, then please speak to one of the elders, speak to Sophie, our safeguarding officer, or call an organization called 938. They're an organization that deals with abuse in the church. And, and at times, you know, churches like ours have been much slower than the Apostle John to, to call out self-centeredness and abuse, and that's to our shame. But John's intention is to protect Gaius and to mobilize the church against diatrophies and to show the church the love and the truth and the self-forgetfulness which is at the heart of the gospel and the, and the healthiness of supporting gospel workers and so protect the church you see let love be your guide put love and truth at the center um, there are just two surviving stories about the apostle john uh, in old age and they both come from church historians who were writing in the first few centuries um, one says that he went down to the baths in Ephesus I know it was a bit like going to the swimming pool um, people used to go to the baths uh, the Roman baths but the apostle John wouldn't get in because there was a false teacher in there called Serinthus he was an old man and they sort of carried him all the way to the swimming pool and he said, let's get out for Serinthus, the enemy of the truth, is in there. <laughs> he cared about the truth. There's a second story about the Apostle John in his old age. That he was carried to church and, and he, he, was, he was very elderly and he, didn't, he hardly say anything um, except little children love one another. That was all he said. He cared about love. And so he wants John, he wants Gaius, and he wants the church where Gaius meets to care about truth and love. And so to oppose self-centered leadership and, 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 and to support the hospitality that will send people out with the gospel for the sake of the name. If, if you're not a Christian leader, then... Um, then observe them. Ask how much they speak of other Christian leaders, how much they honor them. Ask whether they gossip maliciously in order to inflate their own leadership. It's 
it's a danger. Do they, do they see other gospel workers as a threat and won't welcome them into church? Or do they love meeting gospel workers, even if they're strangers to them, and provide everything that they can to see them flourish in ministry? Hold Christian leaders up to scrutiny. It's a helpful thing. And ask, do they delight in the ministry of others and encourage their churches to support gospel workers, where, where leaders are insecure, where they're self-centered, where they're aware of their own position, gospel witness will suffer, but people of love and truth will send others out for the sake of the name and work together with them for the truth. Let's pray that we'll have healthy relationships in that way, shall we? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, like us, we want to be people of love and truth. We want to be people of generosity and hospitality. Thank you, Father, those things come from the heart of the gospel where Jesus gave himself up for the sake of others. And, and, and we want to be like that, self-forgetful. Um, forgive us, Father, when each one of us has felt insecure, uh, when each of us has wanted to be first. Maybe we've been critical. Maybe we've talked others down. Uh, I pray, Father, we know the forgiveness that comes from the self-sacrifice of Jesus. And so we'd learn to be open-hearted, generous-hearted, as he is himself. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.